Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's a.k.a. Radio Red. Radio Red in the house. Zoom changed their notifications and we're live streaming, but it didn't pop up on the screen. I'm watching us on LinkedIn. My guests, I haven't introduced you yet, but please wave hello to live stream. Nate and Tony and Chet, wave hello to LinkedIn. Wave hello again twice to Facebook and once to YouTube and virtually to Voice America Empowerment. We have to make sure we acknowledge everybody. Radio Red in the house. It's Monday. Happy to be here. It's the last Monday of February. Who told me that the year was going to go so fast? My goodness. Gracious, that's a, a, a sixth of the year almost gone, and it's just flying around. So this is the show where I talk to interesting people from all walks of life. A creative to me is somebody who designs their life, whether it's a career, whether it's a hobby. That's such an old-fashioned word, isn't it? Am I dating myself? Whether it's what they do, how their lifestyle, how their house looks, how they talk, how they walk, how they don't we all, how we dress. Everything about ourselves is how we create our lives. So today I have an interesting panel, and I'm going to do what I usually do, is I have a little poem that I have co-written with ChatGPT, and I want you all to know that it's a, co- a collaboration. I call it co-versing. ChatGPT wrote it, and I edited it. So it's Nate. I want you to know it's not just AI. It's AI plus a human. Nate was concerned about that, I can tell. Okay, Nate, I'm picking on you because you're the first guest. So I'm going to read this, and when I call your name, I'd like you to please, please, please just wave hello. Don't say anything, and let's see if you like what we wrote. So here we go. Welcome, cherished audience, to Read My Lips, We Say, where cool conversations shine in a unique display. Guided by AKA Radio Red, that's me, Spirit Bold and Scarlet Mike Bright, three creative tales we will stream in the radio light. Nate A. Turner, J-D-M-A-L-S, he'll tell us, a humanitarian propulsion engineer, author of Raising Superman, Wisdom Sincere, Stop the Bus, It's a Jungle Out There, Topics He Holds Dear, His Life Template Shapes Dreams, Helping Others Steer. Nate, what'd you think? Whoa, he's impressed. And let's go around the table to Dr. Chet Stringham, MD, wave hello, in internal medicine, transforming how we view, I'll I'll say obesity, but his book is changing, a path to win. With you aren't the problem, weight loss unfolds, the sustainable journey, a path, Dr. Chet molds. I hope you like that. Awesome. Okay. And Tony Claire, I didn't know you had a middle name. Tony Claire Gittle, she's back. Audiologist by trade, shifted to happiness and positive psychology's shade. A caregiver with wisdom, Heartlight Enterprises she founded, guiding caregivers with love, their spirits regrounded. Do you like that, Tony? Oh my gosh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Watch or listen. The choice is yours to make, aka Radio's Voice, a journey to partake on the raising of creativity. I named that in honor of you, Nate. The raising of creativity, our episode anew, a symphony of stories we aim to inspire you. I hope you all enjoyed that. Now, I didn't do what I always do at the start of the show, but I was so excited to read the poem. So let's talk for a minute here. I want you all to make the letter L with your thumb and index finger, whichever hand you want. And on the count of three, you're going to join me and we're going to say hello, L, L, L. 
She probably thinks we forgot her because I didn't do it at the top. One, two, three. Hello. Jordan's my engineer. Jordan, I think they come in sec- came in second place for the best, most inconsistent in sync. <laughs> Last week they were a little bit better, but you're all you're up there in the ninety five percent tile. I don't want you to feel badly. LLL is lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. She lives in Whitestone, New York, and I've been trying to get her for a long time to move to a place with Al. And I forgot that I moved to a place with Al. So we took up a fake GoFundMe. And it doesn't put out a lot of money. But I'm in Loudoun, Tennessee. And the reason I'm in Loudoun is because I want to move to London, Tony. But I have this habit of tilting my head. I have to have my glasses fixed. Tilting my head. And when I tilted my head, the N in London, the first one, went upside down. I really tilted my head, Chad. I probably need a doctor to talk about. <laughs> and it turned into Loudoun. And that's where I moved a year and a half ago. <laughs> so I want lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener, to join me in Loudoun because it's a lot cheaper than moving to London. Let's see where we are. What's the date? Today, we are February 26th. It's the 57th day of 2024 in the Gregorian calendar. I want to do a shout out to Greg Gregory Grego. He didn't like the Julian calendar. He was a pope. I think he was a, a pope, uh, Greg, Greg Gregory the 13th. I, I don't have it here in my notes. Anyway, uh, I want to do a shout out to him because he said, damn, I don't like that calendar. I'm going to do something about it. So he said, we're going to add a day every 300 years, every 400 years. It's going to be because when he was in when he was in his power, in his era of strength, October 2nd was followed by October 15th. Apparently, Tony, it was really a crazy calendar. He said, damn, I got to straighten that out. I don't know what Julian had in mind, but he didn't do a good job. So we now have the Gregorian calendar, 314 days left in the year. And I want you all to know that if you're planning something special for New Year's Eve, you don't have to rush yet. It's okay. So there we go. It's the eighth Monday. So I'd like to go around the table and have each of you introduce yourself. This order today is Nate Turner, then Dr. Chet Stringham, then Tony Clare. I have to call you Tony Clare. That's such a pretty name. I love that. That's beautiful. Tony Clare. Okay. Tony Clare Gittles. So let's start with Nate. Nate, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. Would you please tell us who you are? Welcome, Nate. Well, thank you for having me. I am Nate Turner. Um, my government name is Nathaniel A. Turner, um, but the people who know me and like me uh, refer to me as Nate. I'm a product of Tommy and Gladys Turner. I grew up in Gary, Indiana. I'm the f- father of Naeem Turner-Bandelli and the husband of Latanya Turner. Tell me what you do. What's your creativity? Why are you here? Talk to me. What about your book, Superman? Sure. Uh, the thing that I, the reason I'm here is because I have a son who told me as a 16 year old that I should do more of my life, that I still had time. And so I'm here because I wrote letters to that that child from age two to 16. And those letters appeared in the very first book that we published called Raising Superman. And since then, I've been showing other parents how to backward design their children's lives. What's your philosophy on designing a child's life? What, what's the, the philosophy or what's the guiding principle? Nate? My listeners, my viewers want to know. They want to know more. Yeah. There are three things. I think all children should be raised to be intellectually ambitious, globally and culturally competent, and humanitarian driven, or or short, that children uh, do well academically, but also be able to do Socratic thinking. Children who understand that they're in in a big world and they have a responsibility as a global citizen to understand other people. And then lastly, that the time that we spend on this earth is not about us. It's about leaving a legacy and doing something for the greater good. That's beautiful. Nate, that is absolutely lovely. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I know you spelled Superman, S-U-P-A-M-A-N. Tell me about that. 
Well, so my son learned to read by reading letters from his father. As a two-year-old, he walked to the mailbox with me. He wanted mail and he insisted that he get mail. And so I started writing him letters and green cards. And and uh, he learned also to continue to read from, from comic books. And one of those comic books was Superman. And as you know, children have a difficulty pronouncing R's. And so rather than make fun of him for not being able to say super, he would say super. And I said, don't worry about it. You're my Superman. And he's been my Superman ever since. I love it more and more the more I hear from you. That's great. Thank you very much, Nate. It's, it's a pleasure. And full disclaimer, I met these three wonderful people at the National Publicity Summit where I get about 95% of my guests every year. And I've been at the summit since way back before the pandemic when it was live at the Penn Hotel across from Madison Square Garden, Penn Station in New York. 26-minute train ride from Great Neck down into the city. And there we were across the street. Don't get hit. A taxi stand and and go up to the hotel and it was a lot of fun and then they moved the summit to online a couple of years ago which is good for people like me who don't live in New York anymore and I get to meet I got to meet Nate and Dr. Chet you'll meet in a second and Tony is back this is her second time on the show with me and I'm delighted so let's go around the table Dr. Chet Stringham you are up I'm putting you on speaker view welcome welcome tell me the side story about the book but Chet told me a lot more about himself before we started the show. So I want the whole story. Three minutes, Chet. Put your entire life into three minutes, please. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm I'm actually um, kind of a funny sort of person. I love to create things. I always have. And uh, even in medical school and as a younger man, I... Um, I really, I knew that I was more intuitive in the way that I learned and processed information and less analytical like a lot of my colleagues. And that's really kind of translated to a difference in the way that I practiced medicine and have related with patients over the years. And I love to create things. I just always have. Um, and uh, we were talking about uh, interesting things that I love to do. I love architecture and art. I love oil on canvas. I love almost every form of creativity. I've welded. I've done all kinds of other interesting things. And it's just an absolute blast. I love new media and coming up with new ways to use things. But about 28 years ago, when I started my medical practice, I kind of decided that um, there were some interesting things that were going on, and our cultural perspectives on obesity especially were just not what I thought they should have been. And I, I watched as larger percentages of our population continued to become overweight, and I just thought, there's something going on here that we're not seeing. And I just had this wonderful opportunity to be able to visit with um, many, many patients. I've had 250,000 office visits with patients over the years. And you start to see all kinds of interesting dynamics and stories and commonalities. And it just starts to paint this pattern that wasn't apparent at first, but it really became apparent. And so I came up with some interesting ways to conceive of obesity or to reconceive of it and to kind of redesign the way we look at it to make it an easier problem for us to uh, to address. And it's been an absolute blast. I've had a great time doing it. I've helped a lot of people. And um, and now I'm building buildings and uh, also practicing medicine. And it's an interesting combination, but I, I just love to create. I love to, to draw and design and uh, and in all forms. And that's that's kind of a little bit about me. Come on, give us a little more about the types of housing you're designing and that you're an amateur oh. architect. Come on, Chet, give me a little more. I think everybody will enjoy it. Go ahead. 
you know, I, I bought this piece of property about uh, two years ago and subdivided it myself and um, met with the city of Coeur d'Alene, and they've done a wonderful job uh, ushering my uh, my projects. I absolutely love the people in Coeur d'Alene, and the city officials have been fantastic to work with. And so the houses, there are 10 houses that we're in the process of building now, and um, none of them are actually up yet, but the very first building permit is, is inbound here in the next couple of days. And um, so they're all craftsman style, uh, 2,000 square foot houses. They're beautiful and they're really neat places to live in the center of downtown Coeur d'Alene, right next to the lake. Sounds beautiful. I think we're all going to go check them out. I think <laughs> Nate, I don't know where you're living. Tony, I don't know where I'm in. I'm, you know, where I am in Latin, Tennessee. I think we all ought to go and see 2,000 square feet. That's that ain't a shack, Chad. That's not a shack. Okay. Very interesting. Well, maybe Coeur d'Alene, it, it has an L in it, right? Maybe we could get lovely, lanky Laura Legs to move there from Whitestone. I'll, I'll talk to her after the show. Thank you very much, Chad. It's a pleasure to have you on. Tony Giddles, so nice to see you. I saw you at the summit. I said, hey, lady, I know you. You've been on my show before. You do. Can I come back? No, you didn't say it like that. I said, sure, why not? Tony, uh, Tony, I ran the uh, repeat guest ometer. It, it's a meter that I run for guests okay. on my shows. And uh, I found out that there are only 18.637 people in the world who don't remember you. So would you please talk to those, <laughs> especially the 0.36? Uh, I'm very concerned about them. Tony, well, Tony, let's just start from scratch. Who are you? Why are you here? What's your creativity? Tony, welcome. Thank you, uh, Red. I was born in Chicago, but I now live in Orlando. In fact, my family moved me down, moved us down here in 1969. So we've been down here a long time. We watched Disney World uh, appear before our very eyes and all the entertainment and it's lovely. I am an only child. Uh, my dad died in 1989 at the age of 69. Um, I was 35 at the time, but my mother lived to be 100 years old. And it's my story is really all about my mother <laughs> and my career. Um, I was an audiologist for over 35 years, and I had the pleasure of lecturing, being invited to lecture in 11 different countries in the field of audiology, and I loved educating people. All of my jobs involved education. Um, that was really a primary concern of mine, to help other people grow in their life and in their business. Um, the happiness component starts pretty early in life. Um, goes back to high school when I was dumped by one of my first uh, mm. bows. And I was sad. And my mother said, I just want you to be happy. But I didn't know what that meant. So I've been seeking this idea of how do people be happy? What is that about life? And I was so excited in, uh, I guess, the late 1900s, early 2000s, when positive psychology um, became, it well became. Uh, prevalent and we started learning about the research on how to there how to be happy and that there are strategies and practical tips so during my, the time that I took care of my mother and that was after she was 86 she did have a health crisis and I took care of her until 2017 so for 14 years um, I used the print the happiness principles to go through a period that is often very stressful for people and and was stressful for myself um, after she died, I started my business because I felt I had so much wisdom at that time and I had so much struggle. It just seemed not fair to share that 
with um, caregivers because there's 53 million caregivers in the United States. It's a lot. Um, the book came out last you know, in September and I put my middle name on it to honor my father because the book is all about my journey with my mother. And I thought, no, you know, Claire was his mother's name and I've used it on and off. And so now I'm Tony Claire Gittles. And as far as creativity, when I was taking care of my mom, after a, a healthcare crisis that she re recovered from, I took up ballroom dancing and I love dancing and I competed uh, and I won medals. And I'm looking forward to getting back to that. I have some health issues preventing me from dancing now. So I'm taking care of myself. This is the year of self-love and self-care, Red. Um, that's Tony, so that that's I lovely. I, I'm a ballroom dancer and a hustle oh. dancer and a dance teacher from way back, but I don't dance anymore. When I, I moved here, I, I, I don't go into the city. We're kind of isolated on an island or an isthmus, whatever you call it. <laughs> and I, I, don't, I try not to drive too far away at night anymore. So that's off the books right now. Uh, but you know, my mom lived to 100. And that story yeah. is that she lived on her own in an apartment in a fancy building mm -hmm. and she refused to have an aide. And yeah. Ruth was Ruth was a force of nature. And at 100 years, one month and 15 days, she I lived five minutes away. So I was within, you know, come over and do this and that. I, I visited her, took her shopping. We we had a good time together, but she didn't want anybody living with her. Mm -hmm. And she said, what are you going to do? Pay an aide to watch me get dressed, put on my lipstick, go have my hair done and my nails once a week, play the piano, play mahjong, play bridge. Her neighbors used to complain when she didn't play the piano enough in the apartment building <laughs> they said ruth you haven't played in a while she could just sit down and fill the whole the whole room with music she played by ear after lessons yeah. when she was 10 so when you said your mom lived to 100 and by the way my mom passed away in 2017 as well oh, wow. so there you go i didn't know you were a dancer tony that's lovely so thank you for the bios all of you i appreciate that and let's go around the table nate you're first i'm going to go to the quotes you each sent me a fictional quote from a movie or tv character or a song lyric i haven't looked at them since i put my notes together so let's see what we've got here oh my goodness so i'm going to read the quote with a little bit of background and then nate you're up first take your three minutes and tell us what this has to do with your creativity so here's the quote nate picked it's from prince akim played by the wonderful eddie murphy the movie of course is coming to america 1988 and they called a romantic comedy film i got a kick out of that it's directed by john landis based on a story originally created by eddie murphy who's the star arsenio hall james earl jones sherry headley john amos it was released on in the u.s on june 29 1988 eddie murphy plays akim joffer j-o-f-f-e-r the crown prince of the fictional African nation of Zamunda, who travels to the U.S. in the hopes of finding a woman he can marry who will live him for who he is, not because he's a prince or a woman who is trained to please him. And we see an opening scene where they're washing him in this beautiful pool. Okay. Uh, in 1989, a pilot for a spinoff TV show was made, but it never got picked up. And coming to, to America was in 2021. So the quote is, I am very happy to be here. Nate, I love the quote. Is that just about being on my radio show or is that more than that? Nate, you got three minutes. Go. <laughs> yeah. So the, the following sentence is, of course, he says, the, the audience says joy. The audience is saying joy. And he says, I'm very happy to be here. And I am very happy to be here. And I am joyful about the opportunity to be here. But what I try to tell people that I received from that quote is that in order to, to have joy, you have to be happy to be somewhere. 
And so each day I'm, I'm happy to be on the planet. I'm happy to have an opportunity to do better than I did yesterday. I want to live each day with what I say is joy on purpose. I don't think joy is accidental. I think joy is something you have to purposely look for and build and develop. So that that's what that quote means. Me beyond it being being humorous, but if you if you go back and watch it, you'll see the the minister say to to everyone, joy. And everyone <laughs> repeats joy. And but Eddie Murphy just looks around, his character looks around because he doesn't quite understand that. And his response is that I'm very happy to be here. And I'm very happy to be here because I'm with people who I think exude joy. That's lovely. And can you just draw a dotted line for me, Nate, on the the line between the link between joy and your creativity, why you write your books and and everything you do? Just let's link it. Go ahead. So I love to write. So writing brings me joy. I could sit alone and, and just write. I wake up in the morning and the very first thing I do is a way to express my gratitude to the planet, to, to, to share some of the joy I feel for this new day. As I write my life as I'd like it to be, not as it is. So the very first 20 minutes of every day, that's what I do. I have joy with, with a pen and a pad or with Microsoft as I type on the keyboard. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Very, very nice quote. And I appreciate the happy to be here on the show, too. That's very, very kind of you. So we got a double hit on that one. Chad, Dr. Chad, I'm looking at your quote. It is from Paulie Panino, played by Burt Young, Rocky III, 1982 sports mm -hmm. drama film, third one in the franchise. Paulie was the close friend and brother-in-law of Rocky Balboa and the older brother of the late Adrian, Adrian Panino, who became Rocky Balboa's wife. Uh, Burt Young was actually Gerald Tommaso de Luis. He passed away in 2023, last year in October. He was an American actor, author, and painter. He played Rocky Balboa's brother-in-law and best friend, Paulie, in the series. His performance earned an Oscar nomination for Best Supporting Actor. And let's see, um, Rocky, American sports drama, multimedia franchise created by Sylvester Stallone, based on the life of Chuck Wepner began with the 1976 film and became a cultural phenomenon. So here is the quote you have picked. Just this. You gave me a lousy, stinking, X-lax watch. This. I have no idea. We're all saying, what did he pick? Okay, Chet, you're a doctor. You can handle this. Go ahead. <laughs> I just thought it was the best quote of all times. It, it, it showcased an obliviousness to what was really going on. And this beautiful watch that was a, a true piece of art. And, um, and of course, he didn't know what it was. And, and to me, one of the neatest parts about creativity is that when you're very creative, you can actually help other people to realize what it is that they have in their lives. And, um, and, and I just thought that one quote was, you know, just kind of a, um, a wonderful showcase of, of, of the obliviousness that we really should all work to be correcting and helping other people to see through. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Nice quote. Interesting mm. quote from all of the quotes you could have picked from Rocky. Yes, and we know there's some famous quotes about getting up again and, and the winner, right? You get up and you, you fight back and all that. That's the one people usually pick. Thank you for a more quiet quote, Chad. I appreciate that. Okay, let's go to Tony. Tony has picked a quote from Grandma Rosie, played by the actress Paula Shaw, Speaking to her granddaughter, Rachel, played by Vic McAllis, or Mickey Ellis, round and round is the movie. It was just last year, 2023, a Hallmark TV 
Hanukkah romance movie. Uh, the channel's new ro Hanukkah time loop movie. Okay. Uh, utterly delightful. This was a review and Rick Hoffman from Suits is in it. And I just adore him. He's such a crazy actor. It's, they say it's the perfect dreidel theme title of Hanukkah's, of Hallmark's Hanukkah romance movie offering this year. Let me just read you the story. Uh, Rachel Landau is an associate editor at a book publishing company. She gets caught in a time loop. You all know Groundhog Day. It keeps repeating over and over again. It, reliving the seventh night of Hanukkah, which uh, Tony actually is the sixth day in the seventh night, over and over. At first glance, her life is perfect. A dream job. A Brooklyn apartment. What could be better than a Brooklyn apartment, right? Jet didn't even have to fix it up, but maybe he should. A successful mm -hmm. bo boyfriend in academics and the coziest looking pair of button-up Hanukkah flannel pajamas. And the reviewer says, is there a bigger mark of success? I have to do that with a New York accent. But the day she relives over and over is crummy. It starts at Goldberg's, the deli, where her parents had their first date 36 years earlier. And the family gets their sufgenyot, I hope I said that right, for the Hanukkah party in line. Adam, her boyfriend, calls to say he's got an airport cold on the train to Montclair. She bumps into someone and her jelly donuts, that's what they are, go flying everywhere. Blah, 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 blah. Grandma Rosie tries to hook her up with some guy at the party who was Zach Rubin, and she doesn't like him and blah, blah, blah. So here's the quote, and Tony, you're going to have to give more to this. Here's to the chutzpah of showing the world what you've got. And I think that applies to all of us, doesn't it? The chutzpah of showing the world what we've got. Tony, talk to me about the movie. Did I leave anything out? Oh, that was wonderful. I love those movies that go, the loop movies. I was surprised to find it. I loved it. Well, you know, as far as the quote, uh, I really have been an introvert most of my life and shied away from the limelight. Uh, a lot of that changed, um, you know, maybe maybe 20 years ago. You know, I realized it was time to share my wisdom and knowledge and just get over being shy and embarrassed in front of people. And g I gained a lot of confidence, which is what chutzpah is, audacity. Started telling people what I thought, not holding back. And that the, the new word is authenticity for that. But people need to hear the truth or my perspective, especially in a coaching situation. And especially family caregivers have so many struggles and challenges and decisions to make. So I really can't hold back in telling them a good direction for them or helping them find the direction that they need to go. So in, as far as creativity, this also, you know, goes into the in writing, as we said before, and, you know, just getting the information out. I, writing a book is, um, it's a little scary because people will start giving you feedback that is undesirable at times. Um, but the book is doing well and people are using the strategies and giving me very positive feedback. So I'm excited about that. So I'm doing a lot more writing, uh, which is very creative. And uh, the next book will be out at the end of the year. <laughs> What's the next book going to be about? Can we have a preview of the topic or the title, Tony? You're going to give that yeah. Tony Clare? Tony Clare, thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, the book is is to help people connect more deeply. It's a book of questions, questions that families can ask each other. Um, I designed it to ask my mother these questions. I put all these questions together and we went through the book. There were over 400 questions. I don't know what how many questions this will be, but it's going to be different sections about your life. And um, I, so many people have said to me, I wish I knew what to ask 
my parents to understand their lives. Mm -hmm. So this will help them. And I think in a caregiving experience, you know, it's even more critical. It's an activity that you can do together that has meaning and purpose in it. That's lovely. And you used the word authenticity a minute or two ago. I gave up on that word because I know a lot of people use it. So I have my own word, my substitute for that. It's real deal with a hyphen. (laughs) Real dash deal. Nate is a real deal person. Dr. Chet is a real deal. And Tony Claire, you are the real deal lady. So that's, I I, here, I W-O, my real deals. You're my creatives and you're my real deals. And I say that with with affection and and respect. So there we go. Thank you all for the quotes. I appreciate the work you did to pick something interesting. And now I'm going to dive into, you've each sent me a couple of creativity statements. Nate, I've noticed you've used a couple of yours, which is fine, but I found one you didn't use yet. I'm going to read the statement. You don't have to go looking for them. I'll read the statement and ask you to just take a couple minutes and just expand it, what we call in the news, unpack it. And right. if Dr. Chad and Tony have anything to say, then just, I think you all have 10 fingers. Let me show you what we do now. There's some new new settings on Zoom. Let's see. There we go. See, <laughs> I have a correct confetti parade for all of you. And if I do this, let's see what we get now. It's there. Fireworks. See? Okay. Uh, Sonoma, the new iOS from, from Mac is giving new prompts with hands on the screen and it works on Zoom, it works on Teams, it works on a lot of interfaces. So there you go. So if you have anything to say with your 10 fingers, here we go, I'm going to get in trouble here. I don't talk to the middle finger, that's the mean one, but you can raise any of the other fingers and wiggle it at me, Chet or Tony, if you want to comment on what Nate says. Otherwise, then I will pick a statement from you, Chet, one from Tony, and we'll go around the table a couple of times. So here's what Nate said, creativity statement number two, and I need you to unpack this for me. He says, creativity is like 3M. Creativity does not make life, but it makes life better. Ooh, I like that. Nate, go ahead. Take, take a couple minutes. So earlier you you just you defined or I should say defined you shared a term that I use and I call myself a humanity propulsion engineer, and and so what does that mean? That means that I think humanity needs people to help us to move forward, to upward and onward in a very positive fashion, and we have to create tools, techniques, and strategies to do that. I am not responsible for creating all life. I'm not God, and I'm not a parent, but to one child that I know of, but but. I can help create and share tools and strategies so that humanity can be better. As I mentioned earlier, I feel like that's my responsibility. There are 17 things the UN says threatens the existence of the planet. And I think we all should be concerned with finding ways to to stay on the planet and do so in a way that we can all live together in, in a sustainable fashion. Thank you very much. Very, very nice. Tony or Chad, anything you want to say about sustainability or staying on the planet? It's the only one we've got right now, right? It's absolutely wonderful. I, I I think that's very beautifully put. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, let's move on. Chad, I'm looking at your statement number two. It's a long one. I'll read a little bit and let's see if you can unpack it for me. You say mm-hmm. to me, this is Dr. Chet String, I'm talking. Creativity means allowing the problem rather than your own internal biases or biases, people might say, to guide you to the answer. Chet says, I love this because it's almost as though the answer comes from the problem itself and not from mm-hmm. me. I'm going to stop there, Chet. Can you uh, unpack this for us? I know Tony and Nate are, well, Nate's drinking water, but Tony is saying, um, what the heck is this all about? So go ahead, Chet, tell us. 
you know, I just, I love solving really complicated problems and the more facets, the more interesting it is to me. And I think one of the difficult parts is that no matter how much we try, most of us kind of get stuck in our own individual thought processes and our thought process becomes a trellis on which we kind of suspend the, the problem itself. And that contaminates things. It's, uh, I mean, it's been said that, that you, you see the world through your own glasses. I think it's very important that any of us who are solving really complicated problems and we want to come up with a, a definite answer that really works is not something that's going to have our own internal biases or to try to massage those problems into our, um, into our own interests. It, it's, it's interesting because a lot of us tend to push all problems into our own wheelhouse. If I'm a welder, it's very likely that you won't know how I'll solve a problem, but it's likely going to be done in metal. The same is true of wood work and various other things. As a general internist, I would have a natural tendency to push a problem into internal medicine. But if that's not where the problem belongs, then I almost create an impediment if I if I try to do that. And, and so it's solving a problem, especially complex ones, is really a matter of doing a dance with the actual problem and allowing the problem to speak for itself and you serve as a conduit um, when you come up with a solution to that problem. Very interesting and very well put. I recently, at the behest of a therapist I'm seeing, and at the behest of my daughter who didn't know a therapist had recommended it, mm -hmm. the animated movie Inside Out. And one of its brilliant and Nate you I don't if you haven't seen it you might want to share it with your son it's brilliantly done it's for grown-ups even though even though it's animated uh the characters the scenes the the voices it's wonderful but at the end one of the takeaways Chad is that don't push sadness aside acknowledge dance with the sadness let it be part of how you solve what's going on you can't push emotions away you have to accept them, embrace them, embrace the fear. Talk to it. Oh, so you're here again. Oh, crap on you. You know, all right, we're going to do a little dance, but I'm going to move on. But I acknowledge that you're here. So, Chad, I appreciate that very much. Tony or Nate, anything you want to say to Chad? Nate? No, it, was, nope. it, was, it was it was great. It was it was it was, it was great. Yep. Tony, anything? Yeah. Well, a new way, a new perspective of solving problems. Real, yeah. Enjoyed your approach. Yep. Good. Okay. That's why we have the roundtable, so we can <laughs> learn and, and hear hear each other and learn from each other. And I appreciate that. Tony, I'm looking at statement number one, also a long one. This is interesting. You say, my creativity involves coming up with ways to communicate information so people have an aha moment. For example, the typical term applied to people who are giving care to a loved one is caregiver. The word has a connotation that what you do is give and give and give as well as tell the person what they should do. It sounds exhausting. I like to use the words care partner. Oh, Tony, that's great. I'm going to stop there because you should see Dr. Chet's eyes. He's going, what? That's a good one. And Nate's saying, I like that too. Tony, tell us more. This is, this is interesting. Go ahead. Well, one of the things that I did when I first started caring for mom was tell her what to do. And you can imagine when somebody tells you what to do, you don't get a very positive response. And some of the things I was telling her to do, she could do on her own. You know, she still was mentally able to make decisions and take care of herself in a lot of ways. But it took me a while to realize that it was her life. She had a lot of decisions to make 
as especially as she had different illnesses and um, you know, we looked at putting her in an assisted living facility as opposed to moving her from home. There's just so many decisions in caregiving. And I finally realized that I needed to know her point of view. I needed to know what she wanted, what mm -hmm. she needed, and what she didn't want. And Red, you said about your mother not wanting um, extra care. Well, you know, my mom did that as well. Uh, but she reached a point as she aged and as she got a little more frightened about mm -hmm. being alone, uh, even though she was in assisted living with a lot of care, um, she said to me, it's time for, for me to get a companion uh, or a caregiver. And she was on hospice and she had, that was helpful because there were a lot of services and a lot of people attending to her and she loved it. She loved having people come in. Now, if the people didn't match her personality, that was a different issue. <laughs> so we moved, we had to learn to move on, but she was able to tell me. And I would, um, I would say being an only child and an introvert served me well, Red, because I turned out to be a good listener and listening to her became one of the most important things. And then having conversations with her that mattered and that served her were I think what helped us go through, you know, many crises, many health issues. But my focus was how can how can we both be happy during this? How can we survive, but in a positive way, use that word positively, and have a great life while we're dealing with all these challenges. Thank you, Tony. Very interesting. At one point, I wanted to move into one of the adjacent buildings. It was the t towers where my mother lived. I won't give you the location. And I looked at an apartment and she found out she was furious with me. <laughs> she said, oh, no. Oh, no. You stay. You're five minutes away in Great Neck. You, you stay there. You're not coming to live in the same complex. She said, I want my independence. You can come and take me shopping, take me to lunch. As often as you want, visit. We'll watch TV. She played the piano. But she said, no. You're not coming to live. She was angry with me. She didn't yeah. want me living in the mm -hmm. same comp. I thought that was very, I just remembered that, Tony. Chad or Nate, anything you want to say to Tony? I thought that was lovely. Listen to people. Listen to what, Nate, go ahead. If I could, in the uh, spirit of Renee Zellwinger's character from um, Jerry Maguire, you had me at exhausting. You had me at exhausting. <laughs> oh, Nate, that was good. <laughs> you had me at hello, Dorothy Boyd. Right, yeah, that's right. right. Very, very well done. Yes. <laughs> very, very good parlay of, yes. of a quote. Thank you very much. Chad, anything on your mind? Or no, I, I just think that, that what you're doing is absolutely fantastic. It is my hat is off to every single person who assists in caring for relatives. And uh, oftentimes, it's one of the most emotional things we go through. Yeah. Um, it's also hard because the objectivity that each of us has uh, it professionally, it instantly is dissolved when that person of interest is our own family member. And, um, you know, it's it's just, it's a really complicated relationship that we have. Mm -hmm. So it's a wonderful thing that people do. And, and I think some of the very best stories I've ever heard um, come from the care that people provide for their loved ones. We get to know them much better. And it's just, it's a wonderful time in life. It's not a happy time, of course, but it's a, um, it's a fantastic time to really get to know somebody in a very different role. I, I love it. I really do. Thank you. And Tony, I want to congratulate you or applaud you, not congratulate, applaud you on the use of the care partner. 
That's yeah. very astute, isn't it, Nate? Isn't it, Chet? It is great. Care partner. Tony, that needs to be copyrighted or registered or something that you need to go on top of a tall building and tell everybody, stop saying caregiver, be a yeah. care partner. Tony, that's magical. Yeah. Well, it actually comes from the nursing industry um, many years ago. I did research it, uh, so it's not original. And in the dementia community, it's it's the care word partner. that they use, care partners. Yeah, and learning early on when when you get a diagnosis, what the individual needs, because the disease is going to progress and decisions are going to have to be made by the care partner. Interesting. Well, you're coining it in the caregiver yep. Uh, in the phase of what you're sharing in your book. So there you go. Yes. So I'm I'm still Thank giving you. you credit for using it and making it out of the, the journals of nurses. You're bringing it yeah. to the public. So I'm giving you credit for that. I still applaud you. Applaud Tony, applaud Tony. Thank you. And people do get that aha moment. It, it yes. changes how they interact oh, with yeah. people. And that's the goal. Words can change the world. That's yeah. a quote, I think, from Professor John Keating from the Dead Poet Society. <laughs> Words and thoughts can change the world, something like that. Nate, I want to go back. We have a little more time. Uh, I want to go back to one of your statements, Nate. You mentioned it, and I want you to unpack it for us. This is interesting. Nate says, each day I write a forward journal, record and share the creation with the world. Nate, that's one little sentence, but I have a feeling it's unpacking it is going to be a big deal. So can you tell us what you do, Nate? Sure. So I, um, I'm a guy who suffers from depression. And years ago, I was diagnosed as, as being depressed and having seasonal affective disorder. And what, what many times what people want to do besides putting you on medication is they say, hey, try, try journaling. Well, I tried to journal, but, but that just made me more depressed because all I was doing was writing the stuff that I was already frustrated about. So I just had pages and pages about people who I was mad at and stuff I was frustrated about. So then I thought about what it is that I ask a child to do. And I've been asking my son to do this his entire life, to imagine if the world were perfect, what would your life be? And then I thought, well, why don't I do that? So I had some students one day, I was sharing this idea with some students about affirming what you want in your life. And they said, hey, Mr. Turner, do you do the same thing? And like all great hypocrites, I said, no, I don't. So I decided to start doing it. So I started journaling for it. So today, as I mentioned, I woke up, I spent the first 20 minutes writing my life the way I'd like it to be. I shared it with some with some people, some friends of mine, they thought it was good, continued to share it with them. Then some of them started to say, well, you know, you should put it in some book form and then give people actions and reflections, things to do. And I said, absolutely not, I'm not doing any of it. Uh, one person in particular, her name is Dr. Robin Henderson, and she, she said, hey, you should do this. And I said, great. No, you can do it if you like to. And so she did. She came back with 55 journals that she had reviewed and wrote action statements and reflections. And then Will Smith published his, his autobiography and did it in audio. And then the folks said, you know what? You should do your journal with your voice. So today, said journal exists and all, all the uh, audio platforms is called the journal forward audio cast and each day people can hear me as i mm. uh, prattle on about my best life that is so different nate we don't hear that people have told me over the years I've, I've had depression not recently but years ago pretty bad and and i understand what that feels like and how mm -hmm. you don't want to be there and you don't want it to come back and i learned coping techniques that i've used since then there was a class when I was in Eugene, Oregon, there was a class called Coping with Depression. So mm. many people signed up that they had to open separate extra sessions to accommodate 
the groups of us. There were so many of us. This is way long ago. But I was just thinking, Nate, that people say journal. And I tried journaling years ago. And it wasn't the people I was mad about. It was just all the things that I thought was were wrong with my life and my sadness. And maybe a little anger blended in. And I found some of those pages years later when I read them. I said, crap, I don't want to go back to that place. I don't want to read this again. I don't want to see. So the question is, you could write it in an email to yourself and then delete it. What a thought. Get it down. And, and my daughter said to me, mom, write stuff down and then delete it. Make it virtual and make it... Ooh, vaporware, let it disappear. Mm. So I like that idea better. I thought that was a better, because I don't want to go back and take a look. It's one thing to get it out, right, Nate? But then to go back and mm -hmm. say, oh, gee, I must have really been a bad, crap, was I Was I really that? Oh, my goodness. I don't want to revisit that. Any thoughts about that, Tony or Chet? Anything? No. Well, okay. That, that was oh, powerful. Yeah, hey, Brad, that was powerful. Um, Thank you. You know, we really don't know uh, our friends who are depressed, they don't talk about it. No. Um, I do have several people in my life that I do know they they have the seasonal affective disorder or certain times of the year. So I reach out to them. And I think that's an important thing as well, if they're willing to accept your help. And sometimes it's just uh, I send them greeting cards to lift their spirits during the day. Not emails, <laughs> not texts, <laughs> although some, yeah. but real cards with you know fun stuff in them stickers and uh, a lot of hearts because we nice. so that's what we do hearts and love nice and by the way the background behind me tony is not the same one i used on read my lips yeah. for years this is one of my ai designs i use night cafe studio and i said design a moonscape and with uh with, i borrowed a prompt from somebody else with oil and water and soap and tinsel me get out of the way and then give me a red microphone and some lipsticks. There are actually four lipsticks behind me, but you can't see them. So I just let one. And then I went in Photoshop and put a read mine to put the lips. I found the lips instead of the word. Cool conversations with creatives. I started using this about a month ago, Tony. And so this is my way. I'm doing a lot of, of creative art for me in night cafe studio it's a lovely app and yeah. they have a a scrolling challenge with all kinds of designers putting their art their ai art in and you can see the theme of the day and you can see what other people are doing sometimes they include their prompts i can we're gonna take pictures afterwards and i'll give you that information if you want yeah, I like but anyway that. let's see we have uh nine minutes left a quickie here Chet, Dr. Chet, one state sentence from statement number four. I just want you to take uh, two minutes and unpack this for me. You say, my unique approach to creativity is to keep looking at the same problem over and over until patterns start to appear. And I know you use this in your obesity patients, but can you relate this to a bigger, a bigger approach to creativity, Dr. Chet? You know, yes, I think that uh, sometimes in the sciences, we talk about unifying field theories and all kinds of interesting things. And what I've noticed is that in life in general, there's such a wonderful opportunity to cross-pollinate one problem with, an, with another and to be able to come up with eloquent solutions to problems that, um, that we don't generally tend to think of when we borrow technologies or thought processes from one uh, field of endeavor to another. And um, so I think part of creativity is being fluent in many many, many different spheres and doing a lot of different things. And you just see patterns that you ordinarily wouldn't see if you stayed in one field and just took a traditional approach to things. 
Thank you very much. Very, very interesting. Uh, that's how LLMs, large language models, are trained in the in the with the writing chat GPT. It's trained on looking for patterns, right? Because when I wrote that poem for the three of you for the show today, I put in a little bit of what I had done in the past or what chat GPT had helped me, the intro. And then I said, and write a short poem for each of my guests. I took your entire bio, Nate, that you sent me mm. and put it in with a, capital letters and with a dash on either side. And Dr. Chet, I put your entire bio in and Tony Claire Gittle. See, I like the Claire a lot too. So, and then I counted. Anybody know how long it took for that poem to take shape from ChatGPT? Nate, how long? Do you, 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Nate, what? 30, 30 seconds. That was to say the same thing. Chet, what do you think? How long did it take? I would say between five and seven seconds. All right. <laughs> Beat you all. If you count one 1,000, two 1,000, before I said three, the entire poem, and it was twice the length of what I showed you, twice the length of what I read, and I said, can you please make it shorter, and it took less than three seconds. It ingested your entire bio, chat, your entire bio, Nate, your entire bio, Tony, and the other day, ChatGPT was busy, so I had to write. I do this for all my shows. I have four live shows a week now, and I do this for all my roundtable guests on technology and, and on HR and IT and everything I'm doing, and um, it always takes about three seconds, but I had to write in the style of ChatGPT, write the little verses for my guests, and it has trained me to look for those little nuggets and look for those easy rhymes at the first line and the second, and then another rhyme for the third and fourth. It's just fascinating. So ChatGPT is training me. I want to thank you all for your statements. By the way, we're not done. We have six more minutes, and I'll tell you what we're going to do in a second. But afterwards, please stick around because we didn't take pictures because we were busy doing our audio settings. So I have some famous birthdays for you. And if you know who these people are, just say happy birthday. So Michael Bolton, the Grammy Award-winning recording mm -hmm. artist specializing in love ballads. When a man loves a woman and how am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to live without you? I wouldn't try to sing Nate. I'll ruin the whole show. He has eight top mm -hmm. 10 albums early in his career. I didn't know this. Michael Bolton toured with Ozzy Osbourne. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. That's a mismatch. Hello. And in 2006, he sang a duet with Lucy Lawless on Fox TV's Celebrity duets. Happy birthday. Michael Bolton is 71 years old. He's a real Pison. There you go. No comment. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Erica Badu is 53, the R&B singer-songwriter, instrumental in the creation and rise of the neo-soul subgenre. Her singles include On and On, Honey, and The Healer. She was one of People Magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People back in 1998. I didn't know that. And here's somebody you may not recognize the name. I do. Corinne Bailey Ray. She's got an interesting singing voice, and I don't know if you remember, but her song was Like a Star. She's an English soul and R&B singer, sang Like a Star. Look her up. She has a way of a whispery, kind of a talky voice. She's won multiple awards, nominated for five Grammys, and she won two. So Corinne Bailey Ray. Now, in memoriam, Fats Domino was born today. Antoine Dominique Domino Jr., American singer-songwriter, pioneer of rock and roll. Do you Would you believe he sold 65 million records? We're talking back in the day. He died in 2017. I didn't even know he lived that long. Born in New Orleans to a French Creole family. He signed to Imperial Records in 1949. He was one of nine children. And he mastered the piano very, very young. And he stole his name from the great Fats Waller, the pianist. Okay. Johnny Cash was born today in 1932. American country singer-songwriter. Most of his music themes were sorrow, moral tribulation, and redemption. 
He had a deep, calm bass baritone voice, the distinctive sound of his Tennessee Three backing band, characterized by chunk-a-chunk-a-chunk, train-like chugging guitar rhythms, a rebelliousness with a somber, I'm just reading this, and humble demeanor, free prison concerts, we know he entertained in prisons, trademark, all black, hello, stage wardrobe, and the nickname was The Man in Black. So, Happy birthday to the late great. Now, I have three stars of social media. I guarantee Nate and Tony, Claire, and Chet. You've never heard of these people, but we're going to wish them a happy birthday. There's a young lady named Hope Pittman. She's 21 today. Happy birthday. She only has 3 million followers. Nate, if only. Only 3 million, and she's 21. She shares on TikTok her dance. She's a dancer, and she has sisters Hallie and Hasley. And most one of her most popular videos is a dance video set to Poker Face by Lady Gaga. And she's an online student at the University of Florida. Hooray to you. Now, YouTube, we have a young lady who's 24 today. Her name is Gracie O'Connor. She has only 20 million views for her college, I know, college-themed videos. She shares content on her vlogs of her life at the University of Alabama. Good for you. Oh, I only had two today. Let's do some music history. In 1917, on this day, the first ever jazz single, Livery Stable Blues, was recorded by the original Dixieland Jazz Band in New York. It sold one million copies. 1917 mm. and launched jazz as a national phenomenon. In 1955, on this day, sales of the 45 RPM records outpaced the old 78s, which were, Nate, you weren't even born then. Uh, I'm not going to say anything to anybody else. In 1926, on this day, Louis Armstrong introduced scat singing when he recorded the song Heebie Jeebies. He, as he tells it, he improvised his vocals when his lyric sheet fell on the floor. So he had to make stuff up. On this day in 66, Nancy Sinatra's These Boots Are Made For Walking hit number one, and we're almost out of time. And one more. In 1985, in this day, Bruce Springsteen won his first Grammy for Best Male Vocal Performance Award for Dancing in the Dark. Tina Turner's What's Love Got to Do With It won Song of the Year and Record of the Year. And today is Carnival Day, Carpe Diem Day, Seize the Day. Okay, Professor John Keating and Dead Poets. It's National Pistachio Day. It's National Saul Day. You know anybody named Saul? Say hello. It's not a birthday. Tell a fairy tale day. It's Thermos Bottle Day, and it's International Tongue Twister Contest Day. And let's see. I have this note from my 2014 shows. Top 10 tips for women in 2014. And Tony, this is for you. Number one tip was aspire to be Barbie. The biatch has everything. That's from 2014, nine years mm -hmm. ago. Okay, here are my closing words, and don't go away, everybody. And shout out to Jordan, my engineer. Life is short. Break the rules. Not if you agree with me. Break the rules. Forgive mm -hmm. quickly. Eh, not so much. Kiss slowly. Yes, it's the <laughs> Trust me. Love truly. Real deal. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody join me in a quick laugh. Loud. One, two, three. <laughs> yeah, don't hurt yourself. <laughs> and never regret anything that made you smile. Here we go. Work like you don't need the money because nobody else really cares except you. Dance like no one's watching. When I was teaching disco and high heels on a Formica tabletop in a cafeteria in Eugene, Oregon, in front of 250 students in my class, I said to them, please, make me a stage out of wood. And they said, maybe we will, maybe we won't. Anyway, I didn't fall, but everybody watched. I had great legs. Sing like nobody's listening. I tried not to sing. And love like you've never been heard. We all have. Get over it. Let your heart regrow, regroup, and love again. Money talks. Chocolate sings. La! And last but not least, I stole this line from a host years ago. Thank you for turning me on. Radio Red signing off. Everybody wave goodbye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. 
Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.